I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we continue our seven-part series on the deadly sins, and we're talking about sloth. Alright, so before we start, I really just want to give a shout out to all of the sidewalks out there. Thank you for keeping me off the streets. That's right. (laughs) Still just me. Uh, It is episode 23. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, Again, we are without Jenna. Um, She is ready to be back and talk with all of you and... um, and be on this podcast again, um, but we couldn't really coordinate our schedules this week. Um, so you'll have to bear with me, hopefully just one more time until she's back and we can finish out this series. But today we are continuing our uh, seven-part series on the seven deadly sins, and we're going to talk about sloth. Um, but before we do that, a little Joy Junk Jesus, I think, is in order. Um, my joy at the moment, um, so I have a new position at my parish. I'm kind of taking over some stuff for adults and uh, this past two weeks back at work, that's caused me to be a lot more in my office doing preparations and paperwork and admin type of work, which I am not a fan of. <laughs> I like being with people. And so um, this week I've had a lot more opportunities to be with people. In fact, I just finished having an awesome conversation um, with someone named Alex. So um, that was really, really awesome. So that's my joy. My junk is that I am exhausted. Uh, being back at work full time playing catch-up from when I was on paternity leave, and having a less-than-one-month-old daughter has been a lot. But um, God is finding strength, finding strength within me in my weakness. And so um, I'm really finding beauty in that as well. And my Jesus moment, apart from that, is my friend Isabel. Shout out to you, Isabel. I don't know if I've ever shouted out to you because you deserve many shout outs because you're awesome. So here's shout out number 21 to you. Um, She just brought me food. And when I have days like this, I forget to eat lunch and I'm very exhausted because I don't have energy. So she brought me some food and that was great. So it was delicious from Tokyo Joe's. Y'all should go there. Anyways, so Today, getting into our episode about sloth. Um, So, if you're here listening, thinking that this is going to be a show about very slow and cute animals, uh, that is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the deadly sin, or the capital vice of sloth. And it's sometimes also pronounced sloth, to differentiate from the animal, or it's called achadia, or acedia. Um, And so we'll talk about those two different things. But sloth, what it basically is, is a sluggishness of the soul or boredom because of the effort necessary to perform some type of good work. So it might be a physical task such as walking, or it might be something mental like writing or something spiritual like prayer. Um, It could be any of those things um, that we're trying to do to better ourselves in mind, body, or soul that we decide that we're sluggish or bored to the point that we don't want to put in the effort necessary to do them. It has been said that this sin, this vice, is the one that is most plaguing our culture today because of things like uh, convenience 
you know, Amazon two-day shipping for free and like all the different things that we have, all the different pre-order apps and stuff where we don't have to talk to anyone. We don't really have to make any effort. Everything can be given to us at a snap of our fingers or the press of a button on a phone or a computer. Sloth is something that can very easily creep in. Um, and the other word, achadia or cedia, this word comes from Greek and it's it basically describes a state of lethargy um, or basically not caring or being concerned about your position or your condition in the world. Um, so this can lead to basically being unable to perform any duties or responsibilities in your life. And the spiritual overtones make it um, kind of related to um, depression, but very distinct and separate. So when people sometimes feel like um, I'm completely disconnected from God or in a sense of hopelessness or in a dark night of the soul, not not always the reason, but some of it might be because they're experiencing a sense of spiritual sloth. I don't want to put in the effort to do this prayer anymore because it's not doing what it used to do for me or because it's too hard or because I'm not getting anything out of it or what it, whatever it might be. So sloth, it doesn't necessarily mean you're being inactive. It means more um, like a state of apathy. Um, it can reveal itself in um, in real like frantic activism just as much as it can in lethargy. Um, it's basically a condition of um, complete spiritual dejection uh, or inner despair at kind of whether something is worthwhile or not. Um, and so you might invest yourself very frantically in things that you do see as worthwhile, but a lot of the things that have a lot of meaning or a lot of things that you really should be doing, you're not doing, and that's because of the sin of sloth. Um, so it doesn't necessarily mean you're just lazy. Um, that can be one manifestation of it. However, it can be just as present in active people. They just might be putting their energy toward things that aren't what they're supposed to be doing because they really have no sense of um, excitement or desire to do anything worthwhile. So they do things like mundane tasks or things like that. You see this a lot, I think, with people who are obsessed with gaming or um, with media, like with just consuming music or Netflix or things like this. It's not that they're not doing anything. They're putting forth an effort to do other things because the real duties or tasks of life that they should be doing, the responsibilities that they should be doing, they don't have the energy for or they don't seem exciting or beneficial to them at that moment. So sloth and rest, they can look the same externally, but they're coming from different motivations. So, for instance, one person um, one person can be idle because they lack like faith to do anything, but another person could be idle because he has faith that his needs will be met even if he rests. Does that make sense? So, for instance, I might not do anything because I just, I have zero faith that anything's going to come from it anyway. Or from a spiritual standpoint, I have faith that things are going to work out in knowing that I don't need to be on all the time. I need my rest to be able to recharge, to be able to do the different responsibilities that I have. Basically uh, saying no for the greater yes and allowing yourself to have that rest. And so these, those two things are different. So I want you to kind of disconnect. If you thought sloth was just laziness, procrastination, those can be parts of it. Um, but we do need rest. We do need solitude. We do need hobbies and passions and time to spend in leisure. Um, but we also cannot be neglecting the things that we need to be doing, the responsibilities that God has called us to as part of our big V vocation. You know, if you're married, single, uh, religious, uh, in that vocation, whatever is associated with that, but also you're not capital V vocations or small V vocations, like your job, your family, things like that. Um, So there needs to be an awareness of those things as well. Um, The catechism says, 
that asadia or spiritual sloth, it goes so far as to refuse the joy that comes from God and to be repelled by divine goodness. Refuse the joy that comes from God and be repelled from divine goodness. That's Catechism, uh, paragraph 2094. And I think sometimes this can manifest in almost like a sense of um, disgust toward things of the faith because either they're calling you to do something more than you feel you're able, and so you attack and you try and pick it apart and show that it doesn't have any merit because you're not able to rise to that occasion or feel that you can. Or it's just a sense of, oh, I don't really want to do that. I don't think it's worth my time. Um, because maybe it's challenging you in a certain way, and so you just kind of pass it off or criticize people even who go after that type of virtue or that aspect of the faith. Another way that this temptation can creep in, this is also from the Catechism, um, is basically uh, something that's called not um, not participating in ascetical practices. Um, and so ascetical practices are things like fasting, things like uh, denying yourself things. So if you all you want to do is just indulge in food, in um, you know gluttonous behaviors like we talked about in the last episode, that can eventually get to a point of sloth because you're basically discounting the things that have real value and the responsibility associated with needing to do them, and you're filling it with something that will just kind of satisfy that immediate need, and it causes this sense of lethargy. Um, and so that can affect you physically if it's food, and then you actually don't even have the energy to do the things that you need to do because you have a really bad diet or whatever is causing you to, to not feel energized. Um, and also, you're just kind of consuming whatever's easiest. And so you kind of build a behavior of the easy way out or not doing anything that requires a whole lot of real effort. Uh, and so those are different ways that it can manifest. Um, Proverbs thirteen four. I have a, you know what? I should probably find the right translation before we do the episode, but I'm going to look it up right now. But Proverbs thirteen four. And by the way, every single episode that we've done and will do on this series quotes Proverbs. And so what I think that says is that there's a lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs that I think is untapped. You know, we know the Psalms because we hear them every Sunday, every day at Mass if you go. We do reflections on manofoodforthought.com on the weekly Psalm. Um, but Proverbs, I think, is, is less and less quoted. But in my research on a lot of these deadly sins, a lot of the advice that Scripture gives about combating them comes from the book of Proverbs. And so if you feel like you need to be more disciplined against some of these vices, I want to encourage you to read the book of Proverbs. It's an easy read. It has a lot of wisdom, a lot of type of like fortune cookie axioms that you can remember or write down somewhere at the top of a journal or on a post-it to put near your bed, um, just to be reminded of things that you want to keep meditating and praying over. Um, So Proverbs 13.4 says this, The appetite of the sluggard craves but has nothing. But the appetite of the diligent is amply satisfied. So basically it says if you're struggling with sloth, you crave, you have this desire for something in you to be fulfilled, but you don't have anything. You have nothing because you're allowing that sloth, that apathy, that sense of not having faith that things are going to work out or not wanting to put in the effort simply because it's difficult or even if you feel like uh, you're the only one that's going to put in the effort, no one else is going to. If other people are involved, you don't get anything out of that. But if you're diligent, if you're diligent, you are amply satisfied. Notice that doesn't say if you're successful. I think that's the reason why sloth creeps into our culture is because our culture is all about success. 
What can you achieve? What can you do? What are the goals that you can reach? And if they're not tangible, a lot of the corporate ways that our society is being run, it just says, okay, don't, don't go for that. Don't go for that big goal because it's, it's a little bit out of reach. Think about tangible stepping stones to maybe get there. And I think that might be healthy in the practical sense, but I think it can also be in danger of allowing us to say no to good things that are hard because we don't see the immediate payoff. And so I think Proverbs 13 is warning against that. Um, Proverbs continues later on in chapter 21, talking about this vice in Proverbs 21 verses 25 and 26. It says, the desire of sluggards will slay them for their hands refuse to work. It's kind of like that old phrase, idle hands are the devil's playground. Um, And that's really true. I think the times we most often fall into temptation are not when we're busy and when we're working a whole lot and when um, we've got a lot on our to-do list that we're really accomplishing and we're being very diligent and persevering in those moments of um, just needing to buckle down and get done what needs to get done. It's in moments of procrastination when we're alone or we're lazy or we're tired. That's really what triggers a lot of our habitual sins. That goes on, that passage goes on, Proverbs twenty-one twenty-six says, Some are consumed with avarice all the day, but the just give unsparingly. And so sloth can really bring you to this place of almost like you have a chip on your shoulder. Like, why aren't these things happening to me that are happening to everyone else? It seems like it's just falling in their laps. Because people post these things on Instagram and say, oh, look what happened. And they often don't, you know, share all of the hard work and dedication that was taken to achieve whatever that was. And it can cause us as onlookers to say, why isn't that happening in my life? Why won't that just fall in my lap? And I think that can be how sloth causes, causes us to have a kind of contentment or greed toward one another. We just want, you know, that, that simple payoff. One other thing from Proverbs, uh, this is chapter 26, verse 13. The sluggard says, there is a line in the street, a line in the middle of the square. The door turns on its hinges and sluggards on their beds. The sluggard buries a hand in the dish, too weary to lift it to the mouth. In their own eyes, sluggards are wisers, wiser than seven who answer with good judgment. So what is that saying? Basically, a person who's struggling with sloth says, there's a line in the street, a line in the middle of the square. They're pointing out and complaining about all these reasons why they can't do something. The door turns on its hinges and sluggards on their beds. So as things, even inanimate objects, are doing what they're created to do, we're still confined to our beds because we are unable to do what we were created to do. The sluggard buries a hand in the dish, too weary to lift it to the mouth. We're concerned about those immediate gratification things, but we're not concerned about the work associated with doing them. And in their own eyes, sluggards are wiser than seven who answer with good judgment. I feel like a lot of people who struggle with sloth, they have this kind of tendency to criticize a whole lot and pick apart things when there are opportunities that have been given to other people or when they're at maybe an event or uh, a gathering um, and kind of instead of enjoying and and praising God for all the gifts that are on display, they pick it apart and wonder like, that should have been kind of like this. You know, that this would have been a better idea to kind of point out how they could have contributed had they been asked, yet they probably wouldn't have been able to put in the hard work to do it because they're really struggling with this vice. These are all things to be uh, aware of. And lastly, from the book of Ecclesiastes, um, which is a really good book. If you've never read it, it's only 12 chapters long. It's one of the wisdom books. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 18, says this. Because of laziness, the rafters, like of a roof, sag. When hands are slack, the house leaks. 
when we're slothful, we don't realize all of the ways that we're not keeping up with discipline in the small aspects of our life. And so things begin to sag and leak. You know, notice it says it doesn't fall in or there's not a flood of water. Leaks start small. They start with the cracks and the weak spots. And that's what sloth does to our life and especially our spiritual life. If we just, for some reason, because we don't, we're not getting the effort out of it, we just stop praying, you know, every single day. And maybe we just do it once a week or when we need to pray. Um, we may not immediately feel any results from that. But however, that does have spiritual consequences that are going to start to have kind of a slow leak of disconnection, of hopelessness, of not feeling connected to God, of a dark night of the soul, of not feeling worthy of his love because we're not keeping up on all these things we should be as faithful Christians, whatever it might be. And then sloth can start explaining away why all those things would be necessary in the first place and we'll start attacking it and saying, well, I didn't get anything out of it, so why bother doing it? Um, If God was really there, then he would have answered my prayer because I was doing it every day. And we forget the ways that he was. What we neglect also is the fact that we stop making that a priority, and then when that is brought back to our attention, we try and explain it away, because the effort required to get back to where we were or where we'd like to be seems impossible. And I think I've said this before, if you have this idea of what life would be like if you were a little more disciplined or diligent in one area, it's a lot easier to look at the goal of the 100% and say like, man, I really want to be there. I'm going to do everything I can to get there tomorrow. Um, And that's probably the best possible way to fail. So what I want you to do, I want you to look at where you could be if you were 100%, where you want to be with your physical discipline, maybe exercise, uh, where you want to be in your mental discipline, like what do you want to do education-wise, what you want to learn, what you want to achieve, and where you want to be spiritually, how you want your prayer life to look. Those are the 100% goals. Ask yourself, what percent am I at today? 10%, 14%, whatever it is. And to own that, to be honest, and tomorrow make an effort to just be 1% more and keep doing that each day. And if you can't do another 1% tomorrow, stay where you're at. You know, 15% is a lot for me right now because I was at 10 like yesterday. So I'm going to keep doing 15% this week. And then once I feel like I've got that down, I'm going to jump up to 16. And eventually you'll get where you want to be. You will. And your goals will change and you'll start to even better yourself even more. That 100% will start to look a whole lot different. And as long as you're diligent and disciplined in small ways, Each day, you will get there. But don't feel because you can't get where you want to be immediately that there's a sense of hopelessness to creep in. That's really what sloth uh, wants us to do. St. Thomas Aquinas says this, Sloth is sluggishness of the mind, which neglects to begin good. It is evil in its effect. If it so oppresses man as to draw him away entirely from good deeds. So Thomas Aquinas is saying, Sloth, what it eventually does, it keeps us from doing any good whatsoever. All we do is invest ourselves in things that aren't good for us, aren't good uses of our time, and yet we'll explain away in our minds, I would rather be doing this because I get the immediate gratification. I feel some level of happiness. Um, The problem we don't realize is that happiness completely disappears the second we stop doing whatever it is that was causing it. It's not lasting joy. Uh, My favorite saint quote about sloth is from St. Philip Neri, who we've done a saint episode on before, and he said, heaven is not made for the slothful. It's like, boom, mic drop. Like, okay, if this is something you struggle with, if you're really getting that point of spiritual, physical, mental apathy, we really need to ask ourselves, what has caused this? What can root this out? And is it really anything that 
is there any credence to the ways that I try and explain these things away? Or is it really my own feeling of inadequacy, my own feeling of self-esteem that's being attacked that I'm trying to deflect from? And lastly, St. Jose Maria Escriva says this, you drag along like a bag of sand. You don't do your share. And so it's not strange that you are beginning to feel the first symptoms of lukewarmness. Wake up. Powerful words from St. Jose Maria Escriva. And so maybe you needed that wake-up call today. Maybe it's kind of been too easy for you to slip into watching a few hours of Netflix every night and neglecting those maybe four or five things that you should have done that night on your to-do list and you're letting them compound and all of a sudden you're frantically doing all these menial tasks and now you're forgetting about all of the big responsibilities you have like being present in your workplace or to your family or your relationships and you start to feel like man they're not putting in the effort either like you know what about me in the midst of all my business no one's reaching out to me and we don't realize like if we were just a little more diligent if we were a little more organized in, in the things that we need to get done, more passionate about feeding our mind, our body, and our soul properly and healthily every single day, we wouldn't feel those feelings of resentment. Um, we'd really recognize that there's a beauty to um, what God is asking us to do in, in the each and every day tasks of our different callings. And so if you're struggling with these this, this vice, this sin, um, I want to point you to the virtue of hope and the spiritual gift of fear of the Lord or wonder and awe as it's called. Um, I want to point you to hope because sloth really was it, what it is, is um, physical hopelessness or spiritual mental hopelessness. It's a sense of there's no reason for me to do anything. There is no hope. There is no purpose. And praying for that virtue of hope um, is something that I really want to encourage you to do. Uh, hope being the combination of the desire for something and the expectation of receiving it. This virtue is basically hoping, hoping for union with God, which is eternal happiness. And the catechism says, even though faith, while faith is a function of the intellect, it's something that we have to mentally realize. Like, I can only know so much, so I'm going to choose to have faith. Hope is an act of the will. Meaning hope is putting that realization into practice and saying, I have a desire for something and I expect God that you will fulfill it. And I've said this before, God does not place a desire on your heart that he does not expect to fulfill, that he does not promise to fulfill. And so I want to encourage you um, to have that hope. Even if you feel like there's nothing you can do right in this world. My spiritual director taught me this prayer. I think I shared it in a previous episode recently. But um, that prayer is very simple. It's this, I can't, you can, and you promised. That's really hope itself in a prayer. I can't, you can, and you promised. I want to encourage you to pray that prayer. I want to encourage you to ask for the gift of the fear of the Lord. Now, this isn't something saying like, oh, God, you're so scary. But it's a recognition of like, God is wondrous. He's someone to be in awe of because of all that he's created. Why then would I have any sense of hopelessness? Why then would I have any sense of purposelessness? Because he, in his infinite omnipotence, decided to create, after the hugeness of the universe, create little old me that I am even more special than all those things. And in fact, he created all those things for me to dwell in. They were created specifically for you and I. That's how valuable you are to God. And beyond that, he made you in his own image and likeness. What a wonder that is. And so there should always be hope in that. Always hope in the magnificence, the massiveness of God. Because in that grandeur of who he is, he created you and me. The Bible says that those who find wisdom 
are great indeed, but not greater than those who fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord surpasses everything else. Its possessor is beyond compare. That's from the book of Sirach. And it also says in the Psalms, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And lastly, St. Teresa of Avila says this, love will make us quicken our steps while fear will make us look where we are setting our feet so that we shall not fall. I'm reminded of that story of, of Peter when he's called out of the boat on the, on the water to walk on the water. And he starts to sink because of the fear of the waves and the water. And the Jewish people thought that the water was where the devil himself dwelled. And so he was very in a a space of hopelessness. And God comes to him and says, God, immediately, once he starts, once he says, Lord, save me, the next word in scripture is immediately, Jesus reached out and saved him. And he says this to Peter, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And I think a lot of times we interpret that as why did he doubt Jesus? But I think we can also interpret that as why did he doubt himself? Look at who he was, who he was created to be, what he was doing, who he was in the image and likeness of. Why would he doubt himself? Why would he have hopelessness in that? And so that fear of knowing where we're setting our feet so that we shall not fall, instead of just quickening towards something out of love. Love is still a beautiful virtue and love is still the greatest of all of the virtues. But it is grounded in a recognition that God is someone to be in awe of. Someone that is a wonder. So a saint that I think really encompasses these gifts of hope and fear in the Lord is someone who's still on his way to canonization, but he is a blessed. He's been beatified, meaning that his cause for canonization has been approved and there's been one miracle attributed to someone asking him to pray for them. And that is blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. Now, I love this saint. Um, I hadn't heard of him until uh, World Youth Day in 2008. And his body happened to be um, in the cathedral in Sydney that you could go and pray before. And it was just a very beautiful experience. I'd never really heard the story of a young, new, modern saint before. And then let alone to be in the presence of his body and to pray before his body asking for his intercession for the things that I was going through. It's a very powerful experience for me. Um, And it's awesome to see young, modern saints. And so... Pierre Giorgio Frassati, he was born in the in um, the last century. He was lived from 1901 to 1925. So he died young. He died at 24. And his feast day is 4th of July. So I know that's all around the world. But here, it's easy to remember um, because of the fireworks and all of the things that happened on Independence Day. So he was born in Turin. So it's named for the Shroud of Turin, that same city. And he was born to a very wealthy family. Um, and they owned the newspaper. And that was kind of a big deal then. You were You were pretty wealthy if you were to own the newspaper. Um, and his problem was he would often come home without any of his money or possessions because he would give them to the poor. And so his parents and his family would often get on him because he would give away all this stuff that their wealth had acquired. Um, he was also very active in anti-fascism because that was when the government in Italy was beginning to shift toward what would eventually become, you know, the dictatorship of Mussolini and the times of World War One and Two. Um, and so he was not willing to sit idly by and do nothing. Um, They actually came to attack his father at one point, the fascist government officials, and he helped fight them off when they broke in. He also loved being outdoors. He would rock climb. Um, He was very passionate about serving the poor and living humbly despite coming from wealth. Um, And I think that's – to be slothful is kind of comes from that that, um, desire to be comfortable. And um, if you want to go back and listen to our episode about – the, the transcendental desire for perfect goodness. Um, 
the the way that we have a, a lukewarm quality or characteristic of, of that quality of goodness in our culture is in comfort. And that's something that we really need to be aware of and kind of pray against, that we're not too comfortable in life and in our faith. That's episode 17. Um, it be something I would encourage you to go back and listen to um, and, and in the ways that kind of culture tells us that we're allowed to be comfortable. But that's really not what we were made for. And that's not, not something Pierre Giorgio did. Um, he was he used to uh, ride third class on trains, and um, his friends would often and people would often ask him, knowing that he was wealthy, why do you ride third class? And he would always say, "I ride third because there isn't a fourth. He knew what he needed to live simply, and he knew that other people needed what he had. Um, and he was very devoted in that sense of hope um, that he had um, to not be comfortable. Uh, he started ta- attending daily mass when he was really young, and he continued that through the rest of his life and um he was once visiting his family's country estate. Um, he would, um, when he would do that, he would head out early and return before anyone awoke. And um, he once was planning to hike to a nearby sanctuary one morning. So he asked the gardener to wake him up by pulling on a rope that was tied to a table in his room. And the rope was draped out a window. And the gardener would tug on the rope and the table would rattle and Pierre Giorgio would hop out of bed. And so it was kind of like an early alarm clock that he developed so that he could still be disciplined and diligent in his spiritual life. He ended up dying of polio. um, And that's ironic because as it causes paralysis, his spiritual life was anything but paralyzed. And so sloth isn't about um, a hopelessness because of where you're at in life or the the cards that have been dealt to you. It's a hopelessness based on having no real effort to do anything worth doing, anything of value, because it seems too much. And so I just want to encourage you when life seems overwhelming, when you don't know what's coming in terms of your education or how to pay off student loans or what your vocation is or how to handle this broken relationship or how to find a new job or how to make ends meet or, or make the money that you need to live in, you know, California, if you live where, where we're recording from, it's, it's a hard place to, to get by in because of how much everything costs, um, whatever it might be, or looking around at whatever, ev- whatever's happening in everyone else's life and feeling like I, I should be doing those things as well to not get bogged down by the sense of apathy and realize that only you can walk the path that God has set forth for you. Only you can be the person that God created you to be. And the more that we say no to that, there are people who are not encountering God every day because people are saying no to what God is asking them to do. And that cannot be us, brothers and sisters. And so I want you to pray against this sin of sloth and the ways that it might be affecting you in your life and to ask God to bless you with the virtue of hope and the gift of fear of the Lord. With that being said, that's episode 23. Please uh, let us know what you thought of it. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes or whatever uh, you're listening to it on. Feel free to contact us uh, at our website, www.manafoodforthought.com. You can email us there. You can get linked up to all of our social media, and you can uh, see our link to Patreon. If you want to become a financial supporter for as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to exclusive content and merchandise as we are finalizing our new logo and uh, getting that stuff printed out in the months to come. And so uh, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. Bye.